It's always about you, you narcissistic bastard. Welcome to Geeks Without God with Molly Glover, Nick Glover, and Tim Wick. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We don't recognize moral authority. We don't accept divine superiority. We're geeks, geeks without God. This week on Geeks Without God, we're happy to have our good friend Tony Miller back with us. This time he's talking about the ethics of answering questions as Question Man at the Renaissance Festival. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, geeks without God. Welcome to Geeks Without God. I'm your host, Molly Glover, joined as always by my co-hosts, Tim Wick. Hello there. And Nick Glover. Huzzah. And today we are joined by our longtime friend and common often guest, Tony Miller, hey. a.k.a. the I Insulter. totally common and typical. That's me. Thank no, 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 no. I realized as I said common guest that I was like, that's not how I mean it. You mean often. I'm like, often guest isn't Frequent. the word. Frequent. That's the one. Thanks, yeah. doll. Uh, yes, Tony Miller, also known as Seamus the Insulter. And as we're going to discuss today, uh, a, a question man. So uh, first of all, uh, Tony, just in case people haven't heard you on our show before, could you just give us a, a brief rundown of uh, who you are at Renaissance, Renaissance festivals across the country, what Seamus the Insulter does, and, and then what you do at the end of the day like you've been talking about? Yes, I am a street act known as Seamus the Insulter, and basically I walk around all day to convince people to pay me money to insult their friends or family, and I can insult anything from family-friendly to very adult flinchy. Mm -hmm. I also offer compliments, professional apologies, and marriage proposals through Seamus the Insulter. So that's basically what I've been doing for about 29 years now. Nice. And um, the last nine, at the end of the day, I figured I wanted to do something else to try to engage my brain. Jeff Neppel, uh, Lord Felton, and I, mm -hmm. we were really tired. It was one of those typical Minnesota days, like close to 100 degrees, the way it felt, you know, 91 degrees plus 70% mm -hmm. humidity, which is jungle rainforest. So and we just said, oh, God, it's just <laughs> brutal. And so we were sitting down on a bench um, outside of Bad Manor, and Jeff goes, why don't we do, you know, have people come up and ask us any question, and we'll both answer at the same time, saying completely different things, answering the question, but end at the same time. So it's like a little improv thing. So we sure, did that yeah. for a couple weekends, and I'm like, oh, this is pretty cool. Well, the next year, Jeff... Uh, had other uh, things to do. And so I just sat yeah. down and said, hey, ask me any question. And that's where it came from. So okay. that's what do I'm doing Do you advertise it to people? How do you let them know that you're available for any question? Are you like hawking yourself yeah, in that I just, way? I sit, uh, there's a big rock outside of Domba Tribal Belly Dance Dresses. Yep. Yeah, across from the chess board or the chess uh, booth. And I just sit there from six to seven. And as people come up, I'll just say questions, ask me any question, and I will tell you the answer. Ah. And the biggest question that most people ask is, what's the secret to life, universe, and everything else? I ask them, right, ask them if they want the comedic answer or the real answer. And some, usually it's both. Mm -hmm. But uh, I, have, I have entered into some amazing conversations. You know, uh, this, the first year, this little 10-year-old girl came up and said, uh, when will my pet die? And I said, is your pet sick? And she goes, yeah, she has cancer and blah, 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 blah. So we talked about that. Mm -hmm. And then she goes, well, will my, will my cat go to heaven? And I, you know, I'm, I'm a very hardcore atheist. Mm -hmm. And I asked her, well, do you believe in heaven? She goes, well, yeah, you know, God made heaven, blah, blah, blah. And her, and her dad was listening in pretty intently. Her dad was like, yeah, yeah. and I said, absolutely. Your, your pet will go to pet heaven. And it'll run free. And I mean, I'm not here to berate and destroy a young child's hope that right? this grievous thing that's happening. Is also, it. I mean, hell, I believe in pet heaven. Like, I don't believe right. in regular heaven. But like, <laughs> <laughs> if anyone deserves a, a heavenly sort of afterlife, it's it's pets. <laughs> well, I had a I had a young lady come up this year. Her name is Jody, and. You know, I have all these different conversations at all the different fairs I do, so I don't always remember everybody. But she came up and said, uh, could I hug you? And as a street entertainer, I don't really like getting touched without my permission. We've talked before about consent. Also, two-dimensionality of street characters that were not mm -hmm. quite human. But she was mm -hmm. very um, she was very adamant. And I said, well, um, is there a particular reason? And she said, 
Uh, before COVID, we had a long conversation about my grandfather passing from ALS, and you really helped me. Oh. So I said, yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm trying not to cry as she hugs me. Right. And uh, her grandfather had passed, and she said the stuff we talked about, she talked with uh, her mom and dad, and that seemed to help him. I don't tell many people this, and I guess I'm going to be telling you guys. I do question man so that I can help people. That's honestly why I do it. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm happy to answer you know, all sorts of comedically answered questions. People go, what's my real name? And if it's a guy, I said, well, your real name is Gertrude. And you know, if it's a girl, well, your real name is Steve. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, what's your favorite color? What's the air velocity of a coconut-laden swallow? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And European or African, it's actually 23 miles an hour. I looked it up. <laughs> <laughs> and my side note, my uh, nephew is a physics teacher. And we figured out what a coconut-laden swallow, how fast it could fly. Ah. Given that the cross-sectional, um, the cross-section of a general average coconut around the world, pre-husked is uh, roughly the size and shape of a volleyball. Roughly, it weighs about five pounds. Yeah. So if you attach um, a swallow to that, um, it weighs about one point five ounces, and you staple yeah, it to it the coconut, fly. and then <laughs> you drop it, and then you drop it. It reaches yeah. about a It reaches about eighty-seven miles an hour terminal velocity. So a coconut-laden swallow uh, can fly straight down about 87 miles an hour. I, I, as a kid, Talk. just side note again, as a kid, I always thought the joke was that it's got to be zero because there's no way a, a swallow could carry a coconut. And I thought that was the joke. And my dad's like, I don't think that's the joke. And I'm like, that's got to be the joke. There's no way that, that's not it. Like <laughs> There you go, thinking literally, yeah. Uh, so how do you approach, so, you know, uh, at the, the Minnesota Renaissance Festival in particular, and I imagine at Renaissance festivals around the country, while you do have a large uh, selection or a large community of nerds who tend to be more on the liberal end of the spectrum when it comes to things, mm -hmm. you do have a lot of uh, rural and other outstate uh, people who come to the Minnesota Renaissance Festival mm -hmm. and from other states as well, South the, the, the Dakotas, Iowa, Wisconsin. Because we're the biggest game in town for many states. Oh, yeah. Um, how do you, as a hardcore atheist and extreme, the extremely liberal and leftist, you know, and skeptic kind of guy, uh, how do you answer people if they ask you things or if they're presenting something that is either uh, like, like if they ask a racist question, let's say, what if they ask something that on its face is steeped in, in racist ideologies? Right. I have been asked that before. You know, um, I'm not going to quote directly because, you know, this this person, this male, I'm not going to call him a gentleman. This <laughs> person asked, why are N-word people, people so stupid? Oof. Jesus. Ah. <laughs> so, and I'm like, okay. He's doing it as, a, as his version of comedy, as his version of provocation. Gotcha. Uh, I take him at their face value. I was like, oh, <laughs> well, why do you think they're stupid? Well, you know, they're this way, this way, this way, this way. Oof. I'm like, oh, okay. Do you know anyone who mm. is this race? I start engaging them in conversation. Um, and a lot of times, and I found this out, when we do engage religious people as atheists and as skeptics, it's not trying to convince them. It's just showing people who are listening how we interact. Yeah. And I really have to keep that in mind <laughs> with this question. <laughs> Because yeah. I was like, oh, I'm just going to stand up and beat you to death now, but I can't right? do that. Um, the administration's frown on that. Uh, <laughs> so we just started talking. And I said, well, did you, do you know anyone who's black? And he was like, well, no, I just see him, blah, 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 blah. I said, okay. Um, do you think maybe they think the same way about you? Well, I don't give a shit, blah, 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 blah. I was like, okay. Mm -hmm. I said, well, I appreciate you asking the question. All I ask is that you're making this big statement. And uh, maybe actually try talking to a black person and seeing if they're stupid or not. Hmm. And I just left it at that. And he was just kind of like spoiling for a fight. And I was just, you know, in the Bible, in the Christian Bible, it said, a soft answer turneth away a harsh wrath. Mm -hmm. And inside, I seriously, I mean, I was trying to really be the best version of myself. And most of the time I am when I'm performing. But, man, that was a tough one. Um, well, and that's a different situation to, like, if uh, if you're working out there. Mm-hmm. 
versus if you are an attendee. Were mm. I an attendee who happened to overhear this, I could kind of do whatever I want. Mm. But people don't. I think that a lot of the times, especially as street performers and, and stage performers, too. I mean, just performing out of the Renaissance Festival, you are taken advantage of by people who realize that they know you can't do anything. They know you can't, you can't say anything back to them. You know, like they know you're not going to put up a fight. If a guy, for example, uh, trades you a wooden dick whistle (laughs) and then asks you to put it to your lips and blow Mm -hmm. uh, while there are children around and things. And it's like, okay, I mean, yeah, all right, I'll blow your, goddamn dick whistle you know and things like that and it's like you know there's there's in this this is a specific instance and there's pictures of me with this where i am very much smiling and looking like i'm having a great time not having a great time Mm -hmm. not feeling very safe at that moment and like it was a very lecherous situation too like the guy kept being like i saw this and i thought of you saw this and i thought of you thought of you too beefcake because it's so small (laughs) and it's just like you know how do you reconcile your your I am at work, sir, persona with yeah. mm-hmm. with these, you know, terrible situations. I, I think it, I, I, uh, I kind of feel that with uh, when we were doing vilification tennis at the Renaissance Festival, um, without fail, a couple times a season, we would get off stage and we'd be um, passing the hat and someone would come up and say, I've got a joke for you. Oh, yeah. And. Without fail, they completely miss the point, mm-hmm. which is that we say terrible things, um, but we're not, you know, like racist <laughs> or transphobic. Do or people homophobic. try to do people try to insult you? Yeah. Seamus? Do you do people, uh, people a lot, like a lot of times they threaten to? I was like, OK, mm-hmm. yeah, give me your best shot. And then they uh-huh. kind of because then it brings them into the public arena and they kind of freeze up. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, sure. In Texas, years ago, when I was wearing a kilt, TRF, uh, Texas Renaissance Festival, it's the biggest festival in the country by far. It's at least double this size uh, area-wise, and they get between six to 700,000 people through in the course of their season. I mean, this thing is huge. But I wore a kilt, and the first couple of years I was there, I'd walk by, you know, the big Texas guys with their hats. They'd just go, fag, faggot. And almost every time, I would just turn around and just go, jealous. And just keep walking. Yeah. Uh, sure, sure. They didn't really know how to handle that. But um, yeah. no, uh, insulting has- insulting me back, yeah. um, I enter into insult challenges very rarely. If someone goes, well, I'm a good insulter. Really, would you like to enter into an insult challenge? And they'll go, yeah, sure. I said, okay, I'll match any money you put up and I'll let your friends be the judge. Let's do <laughs> nice. three insults each. Nice. Bring it. And I try to get them to go first because then you can rejoin. But sometimes I'll start first, you know, and they usually have at most two insults. Some of them are good. Some of them aren't. And by the time they hit the third one, they realize they're kind of in over their head. And I've had a lot of people quit after the second one. Okay, just, you know, take the money. Um, (laughs) A couple times their friends are kind of dickish about it. No, it's a tie. It's a tie. (laughs) Okay. But... Mm -hmm. uh, no, um, the thing I've really had to work on, and one of the things I brought up tonight, was when I engage evangelicals, which happens a lot in North Carolina. Oh, uh, yeah. I yeah, did, weird. I, did I imagine up, in Texas, too. I did not I did not do Question Man in Texas. Um, mm. Just uh, Arizona, here, and North Carolina. Okay. Because um, that's the ones I do Seamus at. Uh, the first couple of years... It was gleeful on my part. It's like, man, I will slap down any evangelical talking point you bring up. Actually, I had a woman being dragged off by her friend, and then she circled back and said, you're an arrogant ass. I'm like, okay, yeah, whoo. (laughs) But the more I thought about it, it's like, well, it's like stepping onto a martial – it's like stepping onto a mat as a martial artist. You're a black belt. They're a white belt. Beating Mm. them up doesn't prove anything. So the last couple of years since I came since I came off of COVID, the last two years, I come with a much more uh, conversational approach. It's like, oh, okay, you know, is there a God? You know, and then I start off the questions. Well, which God are you referring to? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the one true God. I said, oh, so you're talking about the Christian God? Well, yeah. I said, well, which version of Christianity are you talking about? And I just mm-hmm. start asking them questions like this, and man, they just they they don't get upset. They're just like they've never really thought of it. Uh-huh. That way, and most of them have never really engaged an actual, you know, not fire breathing, but an actual atheist. 
Well, they're not supposed to. Exactly. They only <laughs> they're engage straw man atheists in their congregations. Well, atheists yeah. think this, then they say this, and they hate the, they hate the Jesus the and straw man. They, they think the up devil. in their mind. Yep. Yeah. So when they when they encounter someone like me who's sitting on a bench and he's talking to him like this with a conversation, it's like, oh, well, why do you think that? Okay, well, my understanding is that version of the Bible came about, you know, X time and, you know, from the Council of Nicaea. There's, and I start getting into actual biblical history. <laughs> and they always move the goalposts. Well, you know, you know, do you believe in the flood? Well, no. And this is why. And I bring up five extant civilizations at the time that we actually have written <laughs> records of. And, uh, well, you know, blah, blah, blah. I said, okay, well, that's one way of thinking there's these two guys. One was a minister and one was an elder in a church and their families were there. And this happened last year. It was a 20 to 25 minute conversation. And we, they talked, man, you, you all the talking points, young earth, uh, the flood, uh, slavery meant something different back then. Oh uh, boy. Yeah. Don't. Mm. Um, but at the end of it, they both shook my hand and said, this is the best part of the whole festival. I had a great conversation with you. And I'm like, great. Yeah. And as I walked away, because their children and the people with them were just like riveted. Mm-hmm. Because I wasn't, I wasn't yelling at the guy, but I was disagreeing with him. And then I brought up points why I disagreed. And there's a young man the first year when I got back off of COVID. Uh, he was in North Carolina. Boy, I get a lot of them in North Carolina. He started asking, is there a God? And I said, well, by all evidence that I've seen, no. Said, well, why do you think that? Okay. So we entered into a conversation. And at the end of it, he goes, man, I just don't know what to believe. I said, well, don't believe me. Don't take my word for it. I said, literally do your own research. Check out how the Bible came about. You know, it's talk one to one of those fields where you actually can do your own research. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I said, uh, he was Baptist. I said, there's some Baptist seminaries where they actually know how the Bible is put together. I said, not Mission Baptist, because they make stuff up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even Southern Baptist theological universities have a fairly decent anthropology of the Bible, how it came to be. And if you want to make an atheist, you send them to seminary school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's been kind of an ongoing thing. With the with the Dobbs decision uh, happening, mm-hmm. you know, just just before a lot of festivals, did you have any questions come up about abortion? About uh, oh, yeah. you know, when, when does life begin? Yeah. You know, things like that. Yep. Uh, young guy, he was with his date, and there's two other guys, and they were there with their dates, all straight uh, boys and girls, as far as I could tell. And he goes, "What's your view on abortion?" I said, "Oh, well, why are you asking?" He goes, well, you know, do you believe that it's right? Blah, 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 blah. And I said, okay. I always try to ask questions so I can pause and like calm my anger down because I just want to <laughs> stand up and start slapping these people. I seriously do. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because here's a young white guy talking about, well, he believes it, blah, blah, blah. I said, okay, well, yeah, I get that you believe that. I said, I believe that until you can actually have a baby, you don't get to choose. And... He was saying, well, blah, blah, blah. I said, these women around you, they're listening to you, how you're speaking to me. Mm-hmm. Huh. And I said, I don't, even what I think really doesn't matter. But I said, if a woman chooses to have an abortion or not, that is her choice. That's her body. And then I talked about body autonomy similar to a corpse. Yep. That a dead woman has more body autonomy than a live woman. He's like, well, what do you mean? It's like, okay, cool. As soon as they start saying, what do you mean? They never like, know. Yes. They just think they haven't heard it. It's yeah. amazing to me how often people are like, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, mm-hmm. I didn't know that. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, and and yeah, even that's one of the things I like about, so for every, every story you've told so far about the, your question, man, I mean, it's not really a character so much, but you know, this, this, uh, this, this bit that you do mm-hmm. is that every time someone has asked you a, a controversial or a, a kind of leading question, you respond with, why are you asking? Or which one do you mean? Or, you know, a clarifying question of your own, mm-hmm. which is the Socratic method. It's exactly and people don't that. realize they're being pulled into a very classic style of learning yeah. mm-hmm. uh, through uh, showing your own human curiosity. Yeah, thank you. And I've I've learned some things. There's a guy from Denmark who started asking me these kind of weird, unrelated questions about existentialism and Christianity. I said, uh, excuse me, sir, how do you classify yourself? He goes, well, I'm an existential Christian. 
I went, okay, one, that's impossible. <laughs> I, I said, uh, I get it. I try to hold space that you get to believe what you want as long yeah. as it doesn't impact others in a negative way. But I said, you're literally making this up. I said, most Christians <laughs> make up their own faith. I get that. And I did. That was a, something I threw in. But I said, existentialism <laughs> is the stance that you think, therefore, you are, and everything around you is just a reflection of your mind. Yeah. Christianity is the exact opposite of that. I'm, I'm a Gnostic nihilist. <laughs> yeah. well, oh, that's a good one. I like that. And I, and I talked to him. I said, you can be a Gnostic Christian. You know, you can be a Gnostic atheist. Mm -hmm. sure. One is to believe, one is to know. But you cannot be an existential Christian. He's like, yeah. no, 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 I've, I've thought about this very much. I said, well, you need to keep thinking about it because uh, you're, you're trying to convince me through very convoluted obfuscation that somehow these two completely diametric stances work together. Mm -hmm. And I said, uh, I wish you well. And he had a younger woman with him who was with him in some fashion. And she just kept looking at him and looking at me and then just kind of looking at him. You could see the wheels turn. I live for that look. I live <laughs> for the look of starting to see the wheels turn, whether it's evangelicals, whether it's someone talking about abortion, even that racist motherfucker who asked yeah. the provocative question. Yeah. I don't know if... You know, and we don't know with vilification tennis, with, you know, uh, what Tim does when he's singing, what you guys do when you're out on the streets. We don't know our impact on others. We rarely mm. get, wow, you know, I, I was having a really tough day. I saw you guys do the bigger, better trades. And that just really made my day. You might get it occasionally, but it's mm -hmm. rare. It's so rare that someone comes back. I came across a charismatic Catholic quite a few years ago here at this festival. Her name is Marie. And she started asking uh, some pretty typical evangelical questions. I said, well, what do you believe? And she goes, well, I'm a charismatic Catholic. Mm. And I didn't know that was a thing because those two things are usually diametrically opposed. Mm -hmm. um, I looked it up. It's an actual movement. Uh, oh, it's wow. been around for a while. Uh, it's a bastardization hybrid of Catholicism and uh, charism charisma or charismatic movement, uh, young earth. And I said, well, that's interesting because the Catholic church itself does not believe or promote a young earth uh, yeah. ideology. Well, if you truly read the scriptures, I said, okay. I said, did you read the Apocrypha? And she goes, <laughs> and she goes the what? I said, oh. I said, well, there's 14 books that the Catholics use that are outside of the regular mainstream Bible called the Apocrypha. I said, um, you should read them. <laughs> I said, don't take my word for this. Love Go it. ahead and I read love, them. I love that you keep saying, don't take my word for it, because that's what they said on Reading Rainbow uh, when it was like they would review a book. Really? And then after, bum, they, yeah, after they reviewed, like these kids would like give their review of a book and then they'd go, but don't take my word for it. But And then it would move on to the next segment. So every time you say that, it's almost always about like, but go read for yourself, which is great. Yeah. That's, <laughs> and, but she came up to me the next year. Oh. And she brought her brother, who is even more hardcore, and like, okay, game on. So, you know, we talk about the talking points. I try to debunk as much as possible. So what do you believe? What do you believe? And we've talked about, and here we're circling into ethics and morality. And my rule of thumb with morality and ethics, and believe me, I could be wrong on this, morality is a personal set of ethics and ethics in general is a communal or society set of ethics. Mm -hmm. And that's why there can be conflict with my personal morality versus say an accepted social ethics. Uh, ethics to me are also the practice of morality. Like for instance, say you uh, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. You can say it all day long, but if you go out and treat people like shit, Mm -hmm. You're not being ethical to your exactly. morality. Exactly. I think I was just looking up the charismatic movement here, which uh, just in case our, any of our other listeners like me did not know what it is, uh, it is a movement within established mainstream Christian denominations to adopt the emphasis on baptism with the Holy Spirit and the 
use of spiritual gifts. Yes, the seven spiritual gifts, some of which are speaking in tongues, healing. Mm -hmm. You can even get to the wild, really extremes of snake handling. (laughs) I love how the ministers die in these churches. Oh, my God. Yeah, it sounds like uh, we had a a while ago, years ago now, we had Kyle Decker on the show to talk about he was at a – he went to, I'm guessing it was a charismatic church where they mm-hmm. spoke in tongues and handled snakes and did did all that. Culty. That's, that's, the, that's the church culty. he was raised in. Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. It's, I've Back in when I was a Mennonite, I went to Goshen College, which is a Mennonite college. Uh, I did a whole tour of the local churches, one of which was deeply evangelical and charismatic. Mm-hmm. Uh, no one wore glasses. That's how hardcore oh, wow. they were. Yeah. No one had long hair and me and my two long-haired friends showed up. Um, but yeah, there was speaking in tongues. There was being, you know, wrapped up in the spirit. So they were flopping around. There's a rock yep, band. Yep. I had never seen anything like this. I was like, this is insane. Uh, but the people were having a good time. And uh, yeah, it's just crazy. Well, sorry. Tim, I, Tim, I, I, when it's you're, very cold. <laughs> Tim, when you're, I know that, so you have, uh, I think, uh, a very, a polite way to put it as a, a highly dedicated fan base. Uh, True. With Dredd. Yeah. Uh, do you get? Do you ever get confronted with um, uh, requests for I don't know either racist songs or I know people bring you guys gifts a lot. Are you ever it's given true. anything that you're just kind of like, oh no, like that's not okay. No, and that's I mean I think it, it might help a little bit that a lot of the I mean we have a song called Dinosaur Bones, which is all about mm-hmm. uh, all about evangelicals who believe in young earth and 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 that satan satan planted dinosaur bones and and it's basically a takedown of that point of view we have a a song called don't give your money to that asshole which is about televangelists (laughs) uh i mean we 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 kind of establish ourselves in a certain way um we have had requests for religious songs occasionally but Mm. when they're trying i mean our if if the listeners don't know our Base shtick is we will perform any song you request for $5, even if we don't know it. So there is a certain subset that's going to want to stump us or have us do a song that it doesn't make any sense for us to do. But typically what they're going to do, uh, generally their go-to is a rap song. Right. If they want to. And um, that can be a little iffy. Uh, There was, uh, you know, we're a bunch of white people. Right. And so yeah. when somebody comes, festival? yeah, it's weird. I know. But when somebody comes and asks us to do a Lizzo song, I feel kind of cruddy about it. Mm. And that's, mm. that's where I feel like it's like, am I appropriating? Am I, you know, and it's like, mm-hmm. if I don't want to make fun of it, if they, if they ask us to, to do a rap song that has, has the N word in it a bunch of times. Right. But these mm-hmm. are black people using that word in a way that is appropriate for black people to use it, but absolutely not appropriate for white oh, people yeah. to use it. Uh, yeah, no kidding. Um, so, you know, then we will perform the song. And when we get to the word that should not be said by white people, I'll usually be like, and I'm not going to say this word and move on. Um, and that 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 is the kind of challenge that we run into when they when they throw something at us where it's like they want us to say words that they know we as white people shouldn't be using. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, and so we just refuse to do it uh, and make it part of the shtick. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and yeah, it, it's like, uh, but we've never been given a, no, nobody's ever given us a dildo. Uh, this last weekend, this is the weirdest thing. We do a song called Sharknado and it's very popular uh, for reasons that, uh, I mean, it's silly. It's a silly song and that's why. But, uh, I've been gifted inflatable sharks. Mm-hmm. I've been gifted shark puppets. Uh, I've been gifted shark hats. But for the first time this weekend, and it happened twice, I was given shark's teeth. Ooh, oh, sure. Nice. Actual shark's teeth. Actual nice. shark's teeth. So yeah. that's what we get. We don't get the 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 really um, the really weird stuff. Uh, I, one good story is one of our regular fans came up to me before a show last year and she was like, uh, so I'm bringing my, my friend here who is, uh, who's come to the Renaissance festival the first time I'm going to bring her to a drag show. Um, and I just thought I'd let you know that she's very 
very religious. So you may not okay. want to do dinosaur Good bones or, or, or don't give your money to that asshole. And um, what literally happened is there was a guy sitting in the back of the pub dressed as a pope, not that one. Oh, mm-hmm. thank you. And not not the grow pope, uh, who is actually who I wrote, don't give your money to that asshole about. But I... I say it's about televangelists because nobody else would get this other yeah. guy. Anyway, dude holds up $5. The first song that gets requested, he wants, don't give your money to that asshole. <laughs> That's great. So, so I, look at, I look at this woman who she's been coming to drag shows for years. Right. And, she's, and she, I look at her and I'm like, and I kind of shrug and she, she nods. She's like, I know the rules. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so, so we did it, and and her friend, she didn't laugh, she didn't laugh, but she came back for another show. So it must what? not have been that bad. There you go. Um, that bad. Yeah, I do think that it's interesting uh, that uh, one of the things that I don't and I don't we didn't we didn't go through academy, so maybe they cover this now in academy. It wouldn't surprise me, but something that you have to do if you're going to perform at a Renaissance festival specifically. Uh, that I, I've never experienced performing anywhere else is you have to know what your what your reaction is going to be when someone transgresses against you. Oh, uh, sure. because it happens so much. I think uh, street, people street trying to performing push, in general, maybe anything maybe. that's really an interactive I bet, art. Yeah, that busking or any other kind sure. of like like doing street any other kind of street performance. Oh yeah, I, like um, do I mean doing improv when you when you turn to the audience and ask for. Oh, sure. Uh, a suggestion and you get some, you know, guy who's the funniest guy in the room who has a, a something inappropriate or, or mm-hmm. dirty or whatever to, to, to say. Shout out. I feel like it's that kind of thing. It's any time where you all of a sudden there's this unknown quantity of you're interacting with uh, people and people are unpredictable. And sometimes people do. uh bad behavior for attention yeah and i think i mean a part big part of it with you know especially with with seamus i imagine tony is that you know the the character itself while the while you are not being antagonistic the concept can be seen as antagonistic in that i will you know insult you in a way that is like you you're you're saying i can do an insult that will you know blister your ear a horrible you know and so people want to that makes them feel perhaps that they can then push against you mm. similarly. And I wonder if how, I wonder how many people who are asking you questions at the end of the day saw you at all earlier. Well, uh, well and maybe so, witnessed you, you know, yeah. being very, you know, over the top. Yeah. They'll come up to me and go, aren't you the insulters? Like, yeah. And because they've seen me earlier. Uh, one reason I sit down is so people can find me. Um, what I mm. do is when I go into a group and someone says, yeah, I want you to insult my friend, you know, uh, and I'm going to use some words here that I don't use. Mm-hmm. Um, they say, "Yeah, tell tell him he's a fag, or tell him he's fat, you know, or something like that." And I say, right. "And I'll say, um, no, I got this. <laughs> I got this. <laughs> I'll literally tell him, no, I'm cool." And then I do do it, and I usually get a very good response. Um, I've said before, I've had to, uh, I've chosen to do to get rid of a transphobic final insult. Mm. That I didn't, you know, it was funny for years. And then a friend came who was a friend of a vendor. And the vendor said uh, to this friend that um, she knows I don't mean anything by it, but her daughter's transgender. And every time I say this line, it makes her flinch. I'm like, oh, my God, what line is it? And they told me. And I'm like, okay. So I had to work really hard because that's such a tagline of mine when I'm really tired. My old Mm -hmm. taglines come out. And... This last weekend was a new record for Seamus, and which means I'm just performing a whole lot more than I have. Congrats! And I was thank you. It, it's I still can't believe I get to do this. Like still <laughs> to this day, yeah. you know, 29 years later. Uh, but I was tired, and the line came out. Oh, and I just did the like this, and then I threw out a different line on top of it to try to make it go away. Yeah. Uh, there's just old lines that come out when you're tired, and that doesn't excuse it. It explains yep. it, but it doesn't excuse it. So I've worked really hard. Says the insulter, because I say outrageous things, man. I say like highly charged sexual things. Yep. I talk about gang banging sheep and sailors, yep. you know, using your neck like a trapeze bar. And I say yep. all these things. 
Uh, but I sure as hell try not to be transphobic. I'm definitely not racist yep. or body yep. shaming yeah. or anything like that. There's, we we there's, had a... Yeah. Go ahead, sorry. There's a song that we do called Pissing Off the Geeks, which is very popular, and I've been trying to... There's a, there's a line in it, and um, it's interesting because it, I feel like it's it's fatphobic, even though I didn't write it to be fatphobic, mm-hmm. okay? Because there's a, there's a word called geek physique, which is referencing geeks being a little overweight. Uh, And so the line is that, you know, people use the term geek physique, but I just call it fat. Um, And I've been trying to figure out what to do about that line. What I do is because I'm fat, I point out that I am fat. Mm -hmm. Um, You're not fat. Well, you're not at all. I think you're, you're maybe a little overweight. Like you're nuts. That's yeah. When I wrote it, I was fat. How's that? Uh, okay. and, and so I'm trying to figure out how to how to change that line because mm-hmm. I don't I don't feel good about it, even though, you know, when I wrote it, the intent was not fat shaming, but it, it comes off that way. Let me throw something out just right off the top mm-hmm. of my head. It's like I talk about geek physique because it's all that huh? and you just point at yourself. And then well, yeah, the, the point, though, is that I'm basically making fun of geeks. So I have to find a way to come up with something else that's that's making fun of geeks that isn't just body shaming. And, and no, it's, I just have to, I have to write a better line. But see, mm-hmm. you guys were bringing something up. That's really interesting. We ourselves have been approached by patrons and people uh, who want us to say, you know, provocative words, you know, say the N word, say the B word, uh, see all these other words. They're like, no, no, we can work around it, work around it. And then in our own humor, as we deliver it, we try to be sensitive to that. I've talked before about the art of insults, and I think we have, what, one or two minutes left? You can keep going. Don't worry about it. Uh, (laughs) That's not what that meant. (laughs) The art, sorry, the art of the insult for me is to, one, Mm -hmm. have a kind heart to make sure that the person I'm insulting is really laughing and enjoying themselves. Right. At the end of the day, I live for the, oh, oh my God, I can't believe you said that. Oh, man, that's like the best oh, thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. You don't yeah. have to tell us. We're, we're all vilifiers. Yeah, yeah. We right. know. <laughs> right. Man, when you hear that gasp in the in the crowd, it's like, oh, yeah. yes. Um, well, and Tim gets up with songs, too. Like, oh, I mean, there's some drug songs, songs, man. Right? I've, I've been there when the line hits. And like, <laughs> it's, uh, it's true. It's, yeah. There, there's a, yeah. And not to you know, talk too much about vilification tennis, but, um, the, the, a big thing there is like, we've all consented to insult each other. Right. Mm-hmm. And so like when someone comes up to you and they're, they're requesting an insult, it's, it's an opt in experience. Mm-hmm. You're not just standing out in the street and being like, fuck this guy. Am I right? Right. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, and, and, and that, that's, you know, with Vil, we, we have this, um, uh, friend of the show joseph scrimshaw calls it a like the joking envelope like uh oh, like that it's like a a yeah. bubble of a bubble of consent mm-hmm. um and we we have that established in our cast we we all know where our comfort is with insulting one another we have topics where hey you can't use you don't want to use these types of insults against this person they're really sensitive about that because something in their life but like I've told castmates that they are welcome to throw fat jokes at me, but uh, it never goes over well. Well, uh, it's true. Uh, it's true. The, the audience does typically doesn't re- receive that terribly well. It's fine if we're making fun of a, a hypothetical person to to uh, outrageous, you know, um, a ridiculous non-Euclidean fatness. But a second we're actually like insulting someone that's there on the stage like that. All of a sudden, you can hear the transgression in in the audience, um, and and yeah, when you get those people that are trying to fuck you up or that try to come up and say something afterwards, it's like you're you're trying to jump into a thing that you're not you're not a part of. Um, you can't just walk up to someone and just start insulting them, even though they were just doing that because you're you're not a part of this. To to your point, Tim, about the the pissing off the geek song, what's interesting is, you know, like you said, you know, uh, for years you that you've had that song for years now, right? Yeah. And, and, oh, it's and it's like it's, fifteen years old, yeah. Right. And so I'm I'm and I this is the first I've heard of of it of it feeling, you know, that of it not really like landing the same way, right? And you know, to that end, uh for vilification tennis this year at Convergence, we were like, hey. Uh, we, we said to the cast, we're like, you know, uh, let's not tell too many fat mom jokes. They don't go over as well. 
Yeah. Like they genuinely don't. Right. And and a big part of it is because uh, some cool. is because of the 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 spirit of inclusivity of convergence tends to not understand the, as Nick says, the non-Euclidean fatness is how we like to describe it when we're getting crazy. But some of those jokes that we've had in the past, too, we, we all had to kind of, you know, look over these jokes. Like uh, when we first joined the cast, a lot of the jokes people would tell, we would say, you know, so is the punchline of this joke that he's gay? And he'd be like, well, I mean, yes, but like ultimately the joke is that it's this big, funny like thing. And it's like, right. But like if you boil it down, the punchline is you're gay. And so if the punchline is just you're fat, you know, then that's it doesn't really go over as well. And it's, it's definitely a shift in culture that we've seen in the last like three or four years of, mm-hmm. of, uh, of people looking for that. Well, I brought I brought all of this up because comedy is always changing. It's always contextual oh, yeah. mm-hmm. and it's cultural. And you just brought up the culture. Before we sign off of this whole thing, I do have to throw out, I actually told a dead queen joke accidentally. <laughs> this last, uh, it used to be the body beer show. Now it's called Last Call. I'm always the first one up and I sing the dirty version of Old King Cole, which I sang for 20 years before I realized there was a clean version. That's just what I, I was didn't taught. even know there was a clean <laughs> there version. Is a, it's originally a clean version. Huh. Yeah. Who knew? I only know the dirty version. Right. Anyway. And so- the one of the one of the verses is um, rule Britannia, Britannia rules the waves. Stick five firecrackers up the queen's bung hole and bang, 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 bang. And I was thinking to myself, okay, I need to say king. I need to say king because you know <laughs> the queen just died. That was cool for the first weekend. Then this last weekend, I was like, stick five firecrackers up the queen's bung hole and bang, bang, bang. Whoops, I shouldn't have said that. And people were like, ooh, I said, well, she did. And I and it was like, woo! I said, "What? Too soon? Okay, we're gonna say king." And then we just moved. I just moved on. <laughs> sure, but sure. Just, and Mark comes up and goes, "She dead? That's what you said?" <laughs> it's like, well, yeah. There's so, yeah. um, I, I have to say, uh, the dregs sing that song every morning. We sing it at uh, at the Hollow Hill, nine thirty mm-hmm. in the morning, every day, uh, and have for like twenty years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and after the Queen died. Uh, Fudd, who actually comes and watches us do it every day, was like, do you think you should change it to King? And I said, no, for two reasons. One, at the Renaissance Festival, we have a queen, and she's very much alive. And Mm -hmm. I'm in character. I know nothing about this queen of whom you speak. Two, the queen they're talking about in this song is Queen Victoria. Yep. (laughs) And, And I was like, so for those two reasons, I don't think I should change it. Uh, uh, a cast member actually came up to me and explained that from that. Yeah, Tim doesn't do it because it's Queen Victoria and the Queen's alive. I said, yeah, I'm going to say King. And I, th- and so, that's th- th- those are two, I think those are two completely two acceptable choices, yeah. responses. <laughs> yeah. And it was actually, um, to me, it was more about the fact that I am supposed to be in character. If I'm in character, the Queen's alive. I just saw her uh, five minutes yeah. ago. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, yeah. I, I like that. That's good. Yeah. That's great. I uh, uh, I would like to so we move on to the five questions we have to ask you, Tony. But okay. I really appreciate the the you know just the the measured way that you approach everything. Uh, but mm. particularly when you're on the show here, you bring such gravitas and thoughtfulness to everything that you do that I just we always just love having you on. So thank you again for gracing us with your presence <laughs> and with said thoughtfulness. Quit rolling your eyes at me. I'm being for no, real. That was, it's, uh, I'm a little nonplussed, but thank you very much. That's very kind yeah, of you. It's, it's yeah. always, it's always great to have you on. Uh, it, it, uh, it, it always, I don't know. It just, the, 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 the care and attention to which you kind of present everything is something that I always find yeah. very, very fascinating. A thoughtful person. Uh, but, but we have yeah. five questions. Yes. Five questions. You are ready to answer. I'm ready to answer. And you haven't answered our new five questions yet. So oh. we are ready to go. We're going to start with Tim in question one. Uh, yeah. What is a game you have played recently that you really enjoyed? Uh, there's a, uh, a video uh, D&D game that I play, uh, Arcane Quest. Mm-hmm. It's it's fairly simple, and I've been playing it for a year, and it has in-game purchases, which I do for you know gems, so you can increase your you know the mm-hmm. stats and different things. But you can basically structure a character to be like a fighter warrior or just a sorcerer, you know, all these other things. It's just like three characters. There's only one male, one female. You can change the name. It's pretty simple, but at the end of a festival day, I just kind of veg out playing it. And it's is got, it a phone game? Yeah, or? it's a phone game. Okay. And uh, I just genuinely like it. 
Yeah. Arcane, awesome. quest. Arcane, Arcane Quest. Arcane Quest. <laughs> Arcane Quest. Uh, question two. What science fact or discovery do you think is really fucking cool? Okay. I don't know if I brought up how uh, uh, geckos can stick to any surface. Did I ever bring this up? I don't think so. I think so. when we talked about what superpowers we might oh, want. Oh, sure, sure. Right. Uh, well, do you know how geckos can adhere to almost any surface? No. Okay. They have basically five fingers, and in each of their five fingers, I always thought it was like suction, some sort of water or, or mucus or something like that. It's really cool. It's even cool. It's so cool. Um, in these pads of each of their fingers uh, is just a whole bunch of hairs, and those hairs split. And the ends of those hairs split, and the end of those hairs split. Oh, wow. Down to the molecular level huh. where the atomic magnetic force called the van der Waal effect adheres to the surface molecular <laughs> magnetic effect <laughs> and that's how they stick to any surface that is super fucking cool oh my you god of course there. this was discovered in the late 90s and so they're trying to militarize it you know because that <laughs> yeah. way you can have people you know climb up any surface but what's even cooler is the medical applications of this because now you can have scarless sutures if you can get oh sure oh down to the, mo the molecules adhering to each other uh, and also uh, organ transplants so there's no scarring around the incisions or the, mm -hmm. you know, when the organs are brought together or, any, or vessels, blood vessels. The possibilities are mind-blowing, but it's the Van der Waals effect. It's an actual thing and they discovered it with geckos. And what I totally. what I just heard you say is that what's going to happen in surgery is they're going to stop using sutures to sew together a wound. They're just going to put a gecko on it. Yep. That's, <laughs> yep. The, the gecko is going to be the doctor, Tim. Oh, <laughs> oh darn it. <laughs> well, you need to pick the color of the gecko, so that's cool. <laughs> and then he sells you insurance. Question three. Where do you get your where do you get your sense of right and wrong from since we know it isn't religion? Yeah, it's Satan. Um, yep. I bought Hail a Satan. Him. I bought a him. It's still religion. Uh, morals, <laughs> morals are subjective, and mm -hmm. they change through time. What I believed was moral when I was a child and a young adult in a religion is very different. And I mean, it's similar. There's overlap, obviously. Um, where I get my morals is ongoing interaction with a variety of people. Mm -hmm. I guess at its simplified form. Yeah. And how and hopefully in better ways. You know, when people ask me what's the secret of life, the universe, and everything, I have broken it down to four tenets that they can live their life. One, get to know who you are, your your emotional landscape, the buttons that you have, so that eventually you will work on becoming a person who does and means what they say. Mm -hmm. Two, avid curiosity, always keep learning. Three, in some small way, make this world a better place than you found it. And four, kindness. Kindness towards yourself, kindness between other people, because it's in kindness that we construct. It's so much easier to destroy than to build. So in that kindness is where we build. So that's what I say. I love it. I love it. Tim, question four. If you could build a robot to oh. perfectly perform one chore or task for the rest of your life, what chore or task would that be? Pack and unpack my truck. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, and that's great because, you know, the answer we get from so many people is like laundry or dishes, which all makes perfect sense. But because uh, and I was wondering what you were going to say, because I was thinking about your lifestyle compared to other people. And that, that is like the perfect answer. Oh my God. I, I handle everything I own and my partner Jen does too, uh, eight times a year, <laughs> four times loading, four times offloading, yep. literally yep. everything we have. Oh so God. if I could have a robot that would perfectly pack our yeah. vehicles, I would pull a trailer for the first time in my life just to house the robot. I absolutely yeah. would. <laughs> yeah. The yurt, yurt bot. Yeah. Yurt bot 10,000. <laughs> yeah. That, that, would, that, would, that would be the addendum uh, extra package, but I would totally buy it totally by it. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, question five, our final question is, what's a movie or TV show you think everyone should watch? I had to look up the precise dates on this. It's called Connections oh, by James yeah. Burke. It came out in 1978. There was, I think, three seasons. I bought one of the books. This guy's English, uh, and he shows just the convoluted connections that would bring different things like I learned that in uh, 1300s in Germany was the very first marketplace where they sold eyeglasses. 
Oh. So, huh. and because of that, they were able to see better. And then the first clock came in, the, I think it was a Bavarian or Austrian town. And that's when they started having work days, uh, timed work days. And it, but he just spins these, this led to this, which this caused this, which this led mm -hmm. to this. And that's why we do this. It's called Connections. Yeah. It's, it's great. Brilliant. The that guy really cool. The guy has almost a John Denver haircut yeah. with these really oversized, <laughs> well, like late 70s glasses. Yeah. Season one is by far the best of the three. Yes. Uh, because <laughs> season one, there are very clear connections between each item and seasons two and three. It's a little less <laughs> obvious. Well, the premise yeah, itself. It's a strong plan. <laughs> the premise itself lends itself to non-clarity. Right. But I mean, mm -hmm. in, in, uh, I think that, I think there's one that has like how a plow leads to computers mm -hmm. and it's like every step of the way you see the cause and effect of what the plow led to that led to this thing that led to this thing that eventually results in computers and season two and three, the connections don't end up being quite as clear all the time. They're still really good episodes, but mm. season one is gold. Yeah. Season sounds, one is gold. Yeah. Sounds like a Neil Stevenson book. Yeah. Um, yeah. Have you, uh, Tony, have you seen the comedy show? Look around you. It's no. a satirical show. It's so so it, 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 yeah. it's a, it's a British science documentary parody show that is very, very much like in the style of connections, but it's parody. It's, um, uh, Peter uh, Serafinowitz uh, from like Shaun of the Dead and stuff Ooh, like that. Okay. And it's, every episode starts with the narrator saying like several times, like, look around you to, to like slowly narrow in on what the episode is about. And okay. they're increasingly weird and surreal it's very good. episodes about, you know, calcium or maths or. Ghosts. And they're, they're all short. I mean, they're only like five yeah. minutes. Yeah, yeah, they're very funny. I think yeah. you can find them on YouTube. I will so. totally look this yeah, up. Look Thank it you, up. guys. It's, yeah. su it's super funny, and it's very much in that exact yeah, same, you'd like, like it. that is the show that it's making fun of yeah. more than anything else, I think. Yeah, it's great. Well, thank you so much for answering our five questions and for uh, just genuinely. Every time you're here, we love having you on the show, so yeah. thank you for finding the time with us. Uh, you can still, oh, gosh. This episode is going up after the Renaissance Festival has already concluded. So yeah. uh, you missed your chance to see Tony Miller. Set your calendars <laughs> for next year so that you can see Tony Miller as Seamus the Insulter or catch him as the question man later in the day. Well, we had to record with him today because after this coming weekend, which yeah, I, will have been a few weekends ago when people hear this, you're leaving for Carolina, correct? Right. The, yeah. the last weekend here is the first weekend in North Carolina. So I guess, yeah. North Carolina Carolinas. listeners, uh, go on yeah. out and find Seamus <laughs> and ask him questions about evangelicalism. <laughs> Evangelism. <laughs> Uh, evangelicalism. You know what? I don't care. One, either one. Because <laughs> if you're an evangelical, you evangelize. So, yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, we've been Geeks Without God. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. You can donate to us on Patreon if you so choose. You can also answer the five questions that we just asked Tony. That's right. Your answers could be read if you send them to five questions at geekswithoutgod.com. Thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see you next Tuesday. Bye. If you're friends with Tony Miller, you're always friends with somebody smarter than you. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We don't recognize moral authority. We don't accept divine superiority. We're geeks, geeks without God. Need more Geeks Without God? Go to our website, read our blog posts, find us on Facebook, or follow us on Twitter at Geeks Without God. Social media! We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, geeks without God. Nothing happens when you die. <laughs>